it's uh, it is so good that uh, that you're here with us. I'm just looking around, and I'm I'm very happy to see some of you that are new to Canada, new to our church. We're glad that you're here, and we hope that you're enjoying our time together. I've been looking forward to this message actually since November. I knew that uh, I knew that uh, that I would be speaking on the Advent themes in December, and so I knew I uh, I would be preaching this message on this day. Looking forward to to the new year, and I want to thank Pastor John Clark. He brought us uh, his his uh, telescope here. And I just wanted you to know that we are living in anticipation. Uh, I I feel I feel very uh, passionate about this subject, and I've been really challenged myself, like personally, things that I need to change in my life as I was preparing this message. And so, it's a bit of a journey in in my own my own life and my own uh, the way I see things. And I, you know, next uh, next year we have lots to look forward to. We believe it's going to be a new year. It's going to be a new day. We're living in anticipation. We don't know what God is going to do. We don't know what's just around the corner. It could be a tough year. You know, are you living in anticipation of a of a tough year? <laughs> Neither am I. But I want you to know that there's a lot of people around the world that have have it really tough right now and. In, in China, there's a, a, a specific, uh, underground church, one of the largest underground churches in the whole nation, is, is being cracked down, and there's hundreds of people being arrested just because they're Christians. There's people that, that suffer all around the world and probably will be suffering this year. And uh, you and I, we might be suffering. There may be, there may be difficulties, but God is going to be with us. We, there's nothing that will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, talk about an encouraging way to start the sermon. But I, I, I believe it's going to get better, but I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the Bible. I, I love this, these scriptures. I haven't preached on these scriptures for a long time, and I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, but before I start my message, I would like to give you, uh, let you see a video that I was enjoying uh, about next year and about New Year's resolutions. So if we can just go ahead and play that, this is a great little clip. I have a problem with New Year's resolutions, not because they often fail or because they're too difficult and not because I'm bad at them either. I mean, I've only been in love for four new years. No, I have a problem with resolutions because people think that that's it is for one time to change. Now, bicycle, my little brother has no idea what a toilet is for. And some of you, yeah, you probably should get out of the house more, but one big decision probably isn't going to do it. Sorry. So, now what? Flush your resolutions down the toilet for one my little brother can't use? Of course not. Keep your resolutions, but go easy on yourself. Will you change? Maybe, but probably won't happen in one big moment. It'll happen in thousands of little moments. Every time you choose to forgive or slow down or be 
grateful or stay calm each and every moment that you choose what's what instead of what's easy. Faith instead of doubt. Love instead of hate. That's where the change happens. Even if you fail one or two or thirty times, it's okay. You've got thousands of more little moments ahead of you. You'll get better. So happy New Year, God bless, and I'm off to ask my dad to get a bike, if they're all a pony. Bye. I really like the part where she says you have a thousand little moments because I think I have a thousand points this morning. Don't be afraid. I I will not keep you too late. Um, well, you can be the judge of that if it was too long or not. Sometimes uh, a long sermon is is too short, and sometimes a short sermon is too long. What are you looking for in 2019? Or you, you know, I was reading about uh, New Year's resolutions, and they say that people that actually make a specific resolution do better than those who say they should, uh, you know, just kind of just do better. For example, if you say, well, I, you know, I, I should, I should eat better. I'm going to eat better in 2019. Those people don't do quite as well as if you say something specific. I was thinking, you know, I need to, I need to, uh, to drink, uh, you know, what is it, eight glasses of water you're supposed to drink in a day? I, I got to do that this year. That's, that's something, that's something I, I think I could handle. Uh, if you start thinking about, you know, sweet potatoes, I, which I don't like. Uh, I like white potatoes, which people say aren't as good for you. But, don't you know, I, I don't really like sweet potatoes. Listen, if you, if you ever invite us over and you make sweet potatoes, I won't say anything. I'll eat them. I go to Africa. God willing, I'll be there this year. And I, I get sweet potatoes there, and I'll tell you, it's way better than some of the alternatives. <laughs> but, you know, we, we, can, we can say we're going to do better live in anticipation. If you're looking forward to something, looking forward with eager anticipation, or per- perhaps you're looking forward to, you know, facing something very difficult in, you know, in July of, 2019, you know it's going to be a, a tough time for whatever the reason is. Uh, when we're looking forward to anticipation, there are some things that the, the Bible talks about in 1 Thessalonians, and I'm going to be kind of jumping through the entire book of 1 Thessalonians. It's only five chapters, and uh, you can read it in just a few minutes. And I'd like to encourage you, actually, this week to perhaps to look at uh, look at first Thessalonians sometime uh, this week again I was I was thinking about Thessalonica and, and it's a place that still exists today it is in Macedonia which is sort of in the northeastern part of Greece it's a separate country from Greece now it didn't used to be it used to be part of the, the country of Greece during the Bible days especially and uh, Paul, Paul the Apostle, you may remember the story when he was in Philippi, which is about 100 miles from Thessalonica. It was the first place in Europe where the gospel was ever preached was in Philippi. Before that, it was always in the, the, the continent of Asia. And uh, Paul had a dream about, you know, the man from Macedonia. And he, he called uh, the Holy Spirit, used this dream to call Paul into Thessalonica. 
And uh, uh, there he ended up in prison for preaching. And uh, it was quite a story. I, you'll have to read it yourself. And then he snuck out of town and left and traveled 100 miles. I don't know how long it took him to get there, but it was a 100-mile journey to Thessalonica. And he planted the church in Thessalonica in three weeks. And then he had got into so much trouble with the Jewish people that were mad because he was influencing people away from Judaism into the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there were some Jewish people that converted to Christianity. And what does it say here? Uh, Some of the Jews were persuaded, uh, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. And so there was quite a church that was planted just in three weeks in Thessalonica. And then Paul, again, he had to take off because of the threats of persecution. And he went down to Athens, and uh, the the story goes on. And so that's a little bit of the background And in those three weeks, Paul must have spoken about a lot of different subjects. And he reminds them in this letter of 1 Thessalonians. In fact, this letter is the very first letter that Paul wrote. Now, Paul wrote the book of Romans and then the 1 and 2 Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. And and those books all appear prior to in your Bible. But it's actually the the first... book that Paul wrote is the book of 1 Thessalonians, or the first letter that we have record of. And then the second one that he wrote is 2 Thessalonians. <laughs> there isn't a time gap between the, t- the long time gap between the two. And it was these, these books, as the small as they are, they were meant to correct some misunderstandings about the second coming of Christ, primarily. One of the things that people believed or somehow got the false impression that Jesus was coming so soon that they should quit their jobs and kind of join some kind of a prayer group and just wait for Jesus to come back. And Paul said, no, that's that's not the case. You need to, you know, do your job. Get a, get a job, pay for your own food, and support yourself, support your family, and so forth. And so that was, that was a real thing. That was, a, that was a, an issue that Paul had to correct. And he wrote this. Uh, there's a number of other things that you can tell by the way he wrote, but I'm not going to go into those. But I, I love this particular passage. We're going to break in to 1 Thessalonians in chapter, uh, uh, chapter 4. It is, is uh, we're going to be breaking in here, chapter 4 and verse 14. And it says this, Since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers that have died. For the Lord himself, and I, I just love this phrase, the Lord himself. You know, there's, he's going to return. There's a, there's a lot of different sort of cults in the world that have come and gone, and some of them still exist, where the, the leader it claims to be the sort of second coming of Christ. And uh, they take it as being a spiritual thing. You may remember the Moonies from the 70s. They still exist as well, but I, probably in a bit of a decimated number. But there's all these different cults where they believe that 
that their leader is the second coming of Christ. But the Bible says very clearly it's not going to be some human person that's Christ-like or claims to be Christ-like or has a messianic complex or whatever. But actually, Jesus Christ himself is coming back in a bodily form, and it's going to change everything. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, I, I believe that you, for the most part, that those of you that are here that have heard this message before, that Jesus is coming again, you, you believe that. And that's really good. That's not where we're stopping. We're going to get a, go a little deeper with that. But the Lord himself will come. In verse 17, it says this, Then together with those who came... Oh, I better finish this 16. Let's go back to verse 16. Uh, He will come with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And uh, if I'm not going to say any more about that. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves, and then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord forever. You think you're with the Lord now, and it's true. His presence is among us. He lives in our heart. But there's a a whole new kind of way that that is going to happen, and we will see him face to face. Uh, Chapter 5 and verse 2, For you know quite well, let me just mention too, that when these are letters, and when Paul wrote these letters, he didn't number every sentence, and he didn't stop at the end of you know, what we see now is chapter 4 and put a great big 5 for a new chapter, especially because it's all the same subject of the second coming of Christ. When he wrote these letters, the original documents don't have the chapters and the verse numbers in them. If you look at, uh, if you look at the original uh, Greek and Hebrew, they, they didn't do all that originally. It's just for our use today. So chapter 5, verse 2, you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be unexpected in the sense that, you know, it'll seem like everything's just normal, just like Noah. In the days of Noah, people were were just conducting their business affairs. They were getting married, having kids, just, you know, trying to get their, their kids to, to hockey or whatever they were doing back in Noah's day. But uh, that's a joke. I know it's not a great joke, but it's just a little. You can smile. That's worth a smile, you know. Anyway, okay, I'm trying really hard here, folks. Uh, but the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly, and so it, it will be like that. And people are saying everything peaceful and secure, and then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. Wow. We've had a few uh, new babies this year in the church, and uh, that's what happens. And there will be no escape. Wow. It's kind of uh, ominous. Verse 4 of chapter 5, But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear sisters and brothers. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Now, I'm, I'm thinking, I think I'm going to be surprised. <laughs> I'm going to be shocked because it's going to happen suddenly. It's like someone coming behind you. And, of course, Jesus isn't playing games. But, you know, someone comes behind you and goes, boo. You know, 
you may have you may knew you may have known that they were coming but even if you knew they were coming a lot of times you kind of you're jolted because you're you're surprised but that's not the kind of surprise it's the surprise that man i never thought i, I never knew that would ever happen well actually we do we know that it's going to happen it will come unexpectedly and so even though we might be you know jolted into reality or whatever, we're, we're not going to be surprised because, after all, Jesus said he's coming, and we've been, the church have been, has believed this for 2,000 years. You won't be surprised uh, when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and night. And I just want to say, you don't belong here. You know, we like to belong, we like to fit in, we don't like to be weird, we like people to like us, but you don't belong. You might feel like you belong, and people might say you belong and all of that, and that's not necessarily a negative if you think about it in the big picture. But truly, you know, you and I, we're people of the day, not of the night. And it goes on to say, so, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Now, that word asleep speaks to me of avoidance. And you know what? There's so many things in the world culture, in, uh, in modern culture and, and postmodern culture and the culture of the day when this was written. People were asleep, even though they had their eyes open and they were working. They were still asleep, spiritually speaking. Uh, nighttime is the, is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Being alert spiritually, being aware spiritually. People in the world, they're awesome. There's many, many wonderful people out there doing awesome things. And, and yet, they're asleep because they don't understand Jesus and they don't understand the big picture of what's happening. And you and I, we can be afraid or excited about what's happening in 2019 and not even have our heads screwed on straight and not be aware. We might be sleeping in anticipation of a new year. But God help us to be people who are aware of what is going on. And it's possible, it's possible that this time next year, we will be with God in heaven. It could be that Jesus Christ will come again in 2019. Talk about an anticipation. Now, we don't know that he will, but we don't know that he won't. It's coming at a time, even when Jesus walked on this earth, he says, even I don't know what, what time I'm coming back. <laughs> Only the Father knows. So we don't know. So are we living in anticipation of things that are actually the most important. I want to confess to you here today, right now, I have a you know, full disclosure. I need this message in my life. I need to anticipate Jesus' return, and I need to live in a certain way. And I want to tell you, I, there's already one of these points. There's a number of points that I'm going to be asking you about, and I'm going to start poking into your lifestyle and into your thought life, and into the way you deal with stuff. 
I want to talk about your reputation. I want to talk about pleasing God. I want to, I want to talk about uh, what we talk about and how we encourage each other. I want to talk about my attitude. I want to talk about living in the supernatural. These are all subjects in the message today. I told you there's a thousand points. <laughs> and some of these things you're going to go, yeah, I think, you know what, if, if I had to grade myself, I'd, be, I'd feel like, you know, I'm fairly, of course, we can always improve and, you know, I can always do better, like the little girl says, and there's a thousand different small decisions I can make, but I'm doing okay in this, this, and this, but wow, that one, boom. And I want to tell you about, I'll, when we get to it, I'll tell you about the one that I'm taking home with me today, and I trust that I will somehow, I'm, I don't know if I have to make a goal to say it at least once a week to somebody or not. Oh, I just gave it away. Anyway, we're going to get there. The first point I want to make to you is a reputation point. What is your reputation? How are you known in, in, your, in your neighborhood? How are you known at the workplace or in class? How are you known in, in your church? in your family, in your extended family, with people you only see at Christmas. Thank the Lord for that. No, just kidding. You have any of those in your family? Okay, chapter 1. We're just going to start with chapter 1, and we're going to jump back into chapters 4 and 5 is where we're going to be spending most of our time. The Word of the Lord is ringing out from you. This is after a three-week church plant. This is their reputation. The word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. Now, that Achaia, I can't even say it. I know I'm saying it wrong. I should have figured it out by now, but I didn't. Uh, that's the province in Greece that is to the south of Macedonia. That's where Athens is, and that's where uh, Corinth is. And so Macedonia was one province. So even into Alberta. Where the Canucks won last night. That's great. Uh, wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. So I, I want to ask you, I'm going to start poking, and I'm going to poke here too. Is that true of you and me? Where everywhere people go, they'll hear about, oh, those life church people. Oh, that's if you if you need someone to accept you and love you just the way you are, that's where you should go. The word of the Lord is ringing. Someone uh, translated that word ringing as trumpeting out from you to people everywhere. For everywhere we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God, and we don't need to tell you, tell, we don't need to tell them about you, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away, how you turned away from idols. What are the idols we have now? Okay, money sensuality, food, sleep, all the things that people do to hide, you know, addictions, whatever it is that people use to hide from reality and not face, you know, not face their own lives. That happens. It happens in the church. It happens outside the church. And uh, it says here that your reputation, your reputation is one who has, who has uh, turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you're looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. And again, this subject of anticipation. And I, I want to tell you, I, 
I wonder, I can't actually, I don't wonder, I sincerely doubt that people, when they think about Mike Schroeder, that they think about a guy who's always thinking about Jesus' second coming. But that's the reputation that these people had. They, they lived this lifestyle. They turned away from idols unto Christ. There was love in their lives. And they had this hope. And their hope wasn't, oh my, I'm going to get a better job or I'm going to have this relationship or I'm going to have, the, I'm going to have this, you know, a, a baby or w- whatever it is that people look forward to. A trip around the world, you know, or even somewhere nice and warm, which would be really nice right now. But they're, looking, they're not looking forward to that only, of course, we look forward to those things. It's good to have goals and set goals and make resolutions. Good stuff. But is our hope, is our hope and our anticipation, are we looking forward to the second coming of Christ? I want to tell you, sometimes I think, man, I don't want to be interrupted. Well, maybe my life is too good then. Maybe I need to suffer for Jesus a little more. But Jesus Christ is coming, and listen, it's going to get, it's going to be way better. You think it's good now, it's going to get way better. You think it's bad now, don't worry, it's going to get better. Jesus Christ is coming again. They speak of how you're looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he's the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Do I live my life in anticipation of the terrors of the coming judgment? Not that I'm afraid for myself, because after all, Jesus has saved me by his mercy and his grace. But what about my friends? What about my neighbors? There's a terror coming as well. So, church, what is our reputation as a group, as a church? And what is your reputation as an individual? Are you known for someone who's looking forward to the second coming of Christ? Wow. I don't feel myself, honestly, just myself personally, that uh, I have enough emphasis in my own life about this. And personally, I, as the pastor, I guess I have a chance to change the culture a little bit here. It's, this isn't everything, but this is something really important for us as a congregation, to be people that do look forward to the second coming of Christ. Keep it in our thoughts, in our mind. So I've written a a note in my notes here. You can't see it. It won't be on the screen. But I put Selah. Stop and think about this. And so jumping back in chapter 4 to verse 1, and I think think that this is something. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you. So now that, that word finally, it's sort of like, you know, when a preacher says, well, this is my last point. Listen, I got so many points this is not my last point. And Paul, when he said finally in chapter 4, verse 1, there's a whole lot of stuff in chapter 4 and, verse, and chapter 5 that we are going to just be touching on. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. And God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. We live in such a hyper-sexed-up society where, you know, it's been, you know, people use sex to sell truck tires. You know, it's, it's crazy how much sexuality is, is, is all around us. And, you know, guys, I just want to say something 
because men, as you all know, are different from women in spite of the fact that, you know, the days of sexual identity and all of that. Men have a, a way of approaching life and a way of being a sexual person. And, guys, we need to uh, treat women as sisters, all right? Uh, treat women we don't know as sisters. Treat women that, have, that are pictures, that are pictures of women as if they were sisters, you know, whose, whose sister are, are we finding sexually attractive? And guys, it's really important. This, this is re- really important. It's the, the first thing he says when he's talking about pleasing the Lord, he's talking about sexual purity. And, and women, I, I'm not saying this in any way to insult you, but, you know, please, you know, the Bible talks about uh, women being modest and, and sometimes women can use sensuality to attract somebody, and uh, the, even, even among the, ch- the church. And I, I don't want to be like a, a prude and tell you what to do as, as, as a, you know, tech, specifically about, you know, a certain thing that you might or might not do. I, I just think as in, in our hearts, we need to find acceptance from ways, in, in ways that are not sensual, Okay. We need to be able to be accepted as, as a person. And, uh, guys, we need to help women that way. And, uh, and women, you need to help the guys that way. I'll just, I think I'll just stop with, with that right now. I think we understand. It, it's something that it, it, it's just so difficult to keep, to keep separate from, to be holy. But God will give us grace and God will help us. Uh, God has called us, verse 7, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. How you doing? I, I'm not asking if you agree with what I said, okay? I'm asking how you're doing. Don't answer me out loud. Well, you can if you want. I'm doing horrible, Pastor Mike. Okay. Chapter 4 and verse 9, it talks about love. And he says, well, Paul, or Paul says, I don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other. God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers through Macedonia. Even so, we urge you to love them even more. So, you know, I don't need to say a whole lot about this. God is teaching you, and you are a loving church. And all I can say is keep going. Yeah, but even do better. Wow. Come on. (laughs) We can do better. We can love people more. We have to have good boundaries and all of that. We need to understand what love really looks like and healthy in a healthy way. But uh, God wants us to learn what it means to love one another. Amen, Mike. Uh, the next point, uh, again, I think in our culture, it's, you know, this one is something that I think we understand. But, you know, look after your business. Verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11 says, Make it your goal to live a quiet life. Minding your own business and working with your hands. You know, just because Jesus Christ might come in 2019, don't quit your job and expect us to look after you. Enough said about that. Okay, so here's the one i got to do better at. I, I really do. Uh, talk it up. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Again, we read this a, a few moments ago. Together with all those who passed away prior to us died in, as believers. We who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up 
in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and then we will be with the Lord, hallelujah, forever. So encourage one another with these words. And I was thinking about 2018. Excuse me. I'd like to confess to you that I cannot think of one time when I used these words to encourage anybody. Maybe you do it every day. I'm just telling you about, I'm, this is full disclosure here. So, you know, it's okay for you to embrace one of these truths or two or three of them or maybe all of them and say, wow, I really got to do better. Okay, well, that's fine. But I'm just saying this, this thing, I, I got to change. I really believe for myself. I'm just telling you about myself. I don't do sermons about me, but that's, that's what I'm taking out of this. Somehow, some way, I've got to find a way without being trite and without making people feel like their problems don't really matter, I've got to find a way to encourage people because Jesus Christ is coming again. Oh, hallelujah. And you know what? We all have something to look forward to with anticipation because Jesus is coming again. And it's going to get better, folks. You know, we're so... We're so uh, Canadian in this church. You know, I just love you. But we, we need some. Uh, do the Filipinos, are they qu- that quiet at home in church? Do the Filipinos shout in church? Are, do, is that what you do at home, or do you just sit there quietly? Is that your culture? Well, you're Canadian, but yeah, she's, yeah, we, we need a little more of this juice in our church. Come on. It's going to get better. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. What what are you going to say to the judge of the earth? Oh, I really tried. I was a good person. Yeah, come on. Jesus, it's just the mercy of God. And I embraced his suffering that he suffered for me. He paid the price for my sin. And I don't face the judgment in terror. He says, I'm coming for you. I'm making a place for you, a special place. I'm going to make a special place for you so that when I come again, I can be with you. Come on, that's what Jesus himself said. And he's coming back. And we can encourage one another. I'm just telling you, you, you might, after, you know, some of you have known me for, you know, 35 years, 40 years, and some of you have only known me for six or two or even a month or two, you're going to hear something different from me. This year, sometime, and when you least expect it, so, someone is, so I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, don't worry, Jesus is coming. It's going to get better. Hallelujah. Encourage each other with these words. Why does that encourage? Well, I'll tell you what, we can have true trouble, but it's only temporary. Come on. That gives me hope for my friends. I, I tell you, I've been so burdened. My friends around the world, different places, they're suffering so much for Jesus. And it just breaks my heart. But Jesus is coming again. And they're not asking me to cry. They're just asking me to pray. I know that's what the message is to the Western church from those who are suffering. All right. I, um, well, there's, there's these sort of bullets here in chapter 5, verse 12, 13, 14, 15. You know, it says, honor, the, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. I think, thank you, I, thank you. I, I, I know that this is happening in our church. Uh, 
live peacefully with each other. I think that's happening in our church. Uh, How about this one? This isn't for me. This is for all of us. Warn those who are lazy. Well, maybe there's no lazy people in my life. I don't know. But that's, again, I... I, I I don't know if I'm the kind of person that really goes around warning people that are lazy, but if you're lazy, I'm going to talk to you. Take tender care for those who are weak. I got to tell you, sometimes it's hard because those who are weak, sometimes they're not easy to love. But take tender care for those who are weak. Be patient. Be patient with everyone. Then it goes on to say, verse 15, do good to everyone. These are things that you're spo- we are supposed to be doing in anticipation of a new year, of a new day, of the second coming of Christ. This is how we're supposed to be living. Okay, there's just a thousand little choices that we can make every week, probably. How about this? I've got an attitude check for you. Well, it's not really me. This is what the Bible says. Chapter 5, verse 16, 17, 18. Always. Here's a guy who had to leave town quickly because he was in danger of getting beat up, thrown in jail, and whatever else. And he's now in Corinth, in a very wicked city of Corinth, and he's writing back to his buddies and and sisters in Christ in, in Thessalonica, and he says, always. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. I want to tell you there's times when I stop praying. Uh, again, just confessing to you, I, I, there's times when I know that I could have, would have, should have prayed, and I didn't. And you know what that tells me about me? It tells me that, you know, I, I think I got this. Or it tells me I don't really believe God's got this. So, so that's why it's important to be praying. It's just, even if nothing else, it's a reminder that I don't got this, and God does. And that is, that is where, where prayer, you know, where prayer really affects our everyday life. Uh, verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. Even when you're running for your life, Paul says, in all things, be thankful. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. What's God's will for my life? Be thankful. Start there. Attitude check. Now, this next section, and you know what? This is, this is actually the last section. This next section is something so important. Uh, we're going to be talking about this next Sunday night, especially. Uh, supernatural. We live in a world that is in the natural, and it focuses on the natural, the, the scientific method, and, and all kinds of things that kind of just keep pushing us back to reality, quote-unquote, that, you know, we live in a natural world, a physical world, and it's so true. But in that context, the Bible says that we need to be people who are supernatural. How you doing? Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies that test everything uh, that is said and hold on to what is good. Don't scoff at a sermon that doesn't sound like the kind of sermon you're really interested in. 
Just saying. Hold on to what's good. Stay away from every kind of evil. You can only do that through God's power. Listen, you, you and I, we can try hard, and it's good to work at it. That's fine. But let's remember that it will start, fall quite short of success unless we have the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. What did, what did Graham say when we first started the meeting today? What did you say? We need God. Are you sure? Can you, or have you got it? Thanks, God. I'll call you when I need you. Let's be people who are supernatural. I'd like to see more and more prophecy happening in my world. Just saying. Hallelujah. And so I'd like you, if you would, please, uh, think of, before, we're just going to have you stand in a moment, but before I do, let's just think about some of these, some of these points that have come up through this, uh, this amazing teaching in uh, 1 Thessalonians. How's your reputation? What, what are you known for? Are you known as a person who's annoying? <laughs> are you known for a person who's a grump or quiet, not, not friendly, friendly, generous, tightwad? What's your reputation? How about people are talking about how you believe in God, you've turned away from idols, and you're anticipating the second coming of Christ. What a reputation. Are, am I pleasing God? Are, are, you, are you thinking about that? Is that on the radar of your life? Or is it that I'm just so, you know, I'm just so afraid that I'm going to be tainted by the world? Well, we can live. We can live. God, God asked us to please him and be holy. He's going to give us his grace to do it. Amen. What, are you looking after your business? I think that's something in our church that... In our, in our culture, we're doing. Talk it up. How do you encourage people? Don't worry. It'll get better. Well, why do you say that? Jesus Christ is coming back. Wow. That might be awkward if you said it that way. I got to figure out how to say it. I, I don't say it enough. Do you walk in peace? Are you doing good to people? How's your attitude? Joyful, praying, <coughs> grateful. Excuse me. How's the supernatural part of your life? I'm serious. We, if all we've got is being nice and believing nice things and have Jesus in our back pocket, that, that's really not what being a disciple of Jesus Christ is all about. We need to have a, a supernatural aspect to our lives where we, we hear from God. We, we're going deeper with him, and we, we have him at work in our lives. Amen. Wow, that's amazing. We got through it. And so mostly chapter 4 and chapter 5 doesn't take long. Take a look at that through the week, if you would. First Thessalonians chapter 4, chapter 5. I love you. God bless you. Let's stand. I got one more. One more point, but we'll do it on our feet, please. And this is, uh, I, I, like, I like doing benedictions. I didn't grow up having benedictions happening. 
in uh, the end of services, but this is what I, I really believe that this is important, and this is God's will for you. This is in the Bible, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. You can receive it. You can believe it. You can embrace it. This is God's will for you. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. If you would like personal prayer, uh, Floor Lee and I will be at the front. We'll pray for you. Coffee's on. And thank you once again for being here today. God bless you.